rapture in that blessed home on high. When we redeem the gathering day, how we'll sing that heavenly anthem in that city in the sky. When we redeem the gathering Watch like snow, angry from sea. Wow. 
Catch in morning when those prison bars are broken. We shall rise, we shall rise. We shall rise. Hallelujah. Amen. We shall rise on that resurrection morning when those prison bars are broken. We shall rise, we shall rise. stand before the throne with the witnesses who have gone before we will rise and all applaud singing
henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only, uh, and not to me only, but to all of them also that love his appearing. Second Timothy 4, 8. That love his appearing. A crown of righteousness. Um, and that is part of looking for that blessed hope. The rapture. Looking for the groom coming for his bride. Hello everyone, I'm Chaplain John McTurnan. And this is the fourth uh, teaching now in our series on proving the rapture from the scriptures. Um, not using any man-made teachings, books. We're not adding any book to the Bible. We are taking it uh, mostly, well, tonight we're going to be looking a little in the Old Testament. We took it mostly from the New Testament, right out of the Word of God, to, pro- to prove that the Lord's coming for his bride before what officially is called the second coming. And I have with me here tonight uh, Pastor Fred Peatman. Hello, Pastor Fred. Hello, John. Um, how are you doing and uh, all the folk listening? Um, you all have had uh, waiting for summer to come and uh, are enjoying the uh, the wait, as it were. Yeah. Well, um, very cloudy and rainy for us here. I don't know about you. I'm a summer person, so I kind of hibernate in the winter. And I love, uh, well, no one can take humidity, but I love the heat. So I can't wait till we get into June, July. August gets really kind of humid. And then September. So, um, well, Pastor Fred, we're ready for the fourth uh, teaching now. And this one here, I want to pick up on uh, Revelation chapter 20 which I've received some uh, questions about. And then I want to go into uh, basically the second coming of the Lord. And I want to answer uh, questions that are raised in uh, Matthew 24 and Mark about um, when it says, they that endure to the end shall be saved. Who is that? Who is that? Because that's one of the uh, scriptures that people go to to attack um, uh, the rapture of the church. So, uh, Pastor Fred, would you please um, uh, pray for us to start the study? Yeah, sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to uh, come together in this way to look at your word. You said that, uh, especially in in Revelation, whoever reads the book is is greatly blessed. Uh, We thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is uh, uh, so so well um, represented in that, that book of Revelation. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that he was here on earth, that he did good as he went around doing good, showed miracles and uh, preached the gospel of the kingdom and brought uh, salvation to mankind by his death 
and resurrection. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son. We thank you that we're able to come and meet together in his name. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that uh, we believe that uh, you will be coming back one day with the clouds of heaven, with your bride. And we thank you that you have made it clear that you didn't want us to be um, ignorant of that fact. You've always said throughout scriptures that you wanted to know, let us know what you were about to do or what your plans were. And it's so good to be able to um, meet together as a body in corporate prayer and to be able to see your hand in your word. We thank you for the Old Testament. We thank you for the New Testament. We thank you for the, the way in which they came to us through the saints and through the apostles, through the prophets. And um, we're in awe, Lord, how this book is, is the most perfect book on earth for any man or woman or child to read and find um, salvation and to find um, information, intellectual information upon the things of the word. You've told us that man should not live by bread alone and not just to eat and, uh, and drink, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And we believe, Lord, that your scriptures are proceeding out of your mouth. We hang, thank you for that. And we're asking now for your blessing. Blessing for each one, Lord, and, and uh, especially, Lord, for those who have questions, uh, help us all to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ has said that he was coming back. The angels have said that he was coming back. The apostles have written it. Uh, your scriptures uh, are very clear that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and that we agree with that, and we praise you, and, and we thank you, and we bless your holy name. Uh, show us your way and lead us in your paths, even now, as John uh, speaks, and may he be a blessing to all, Lord, and may this, as it goes into the archives, um, draw many into uh, a life of, of purity and holiness, and waiting with that blessed hope, waiting for the the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with our lamps filled with oil and um, working for the, the husbandman to bring into his uh, to bring the fruit into his um, into his garners Lord God show us your way even tonight as we as we study together in Jesus precious name amen 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 pastor Fred thank you thank you very much. Uh, I want to start with the questions that were raised first about Revelation chapter 20. So would you please uh, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20, and we'll, we'll read verses uh, 1 through 7. Let's go. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, as I read this, I want to just emphasize uh, a thousand years. That's one. And cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more 
till the thousand years should be fulfilled and that he must be loosed a little season. There's two. And I saw thrones and them that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. Uh, let's see, received a mark upon their foreheads or on their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, there's three. And the end, uh, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. There's four. Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There's five. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of prison. There's six. Okay, so there's where we get the terminology millennial. Millennial means a thousand. The pre-millennial rapture of the church will take place before this thousand years begins. Now, uh, there is great error, and I mean great error out there, saying that we are now living in the thousand-year reign. That a thousand years does not live a that does not mean a thousand years, but it's figurative. And no, it's those that twist the scriptures say that, uh, because a thousand years is a thousand years. And if you notice uh, in verse two, it says, "And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil." And bound him a thousand years. Uh, now, this is a little, this is a button of mine. You press a button when you try and promote and defend that this thousand years doesn't mean a thousand years. Because uh, it may not be obvious to some people, but Satan is not bound. Satan is running loose on the earth until the second coming of the Lord. And then this happens to him. Uh, because look at verse 3, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that not he that he should that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. We're talking about deceiving the nations. Who is behind Islam? Satan. Satan is behind Islam. So Satan is not bound. He is not bound. He's... Um, deceiving the nations right now uh there not only is it islam but all the false teachings all everything that is deception everything that lies is lies is generating from the father of lies satan so this is not begun yet it's absolute intellectual and spiritual suicide to say that um it's the the uh the millennial or the thousand years, whatever they want to call it, is taking place. So this is taking place after the second coming of Jesus Christ, which we're going to look at in Revelation 19, except I want to address this right now. So when we look at verse 4, this is a very, very interesting verse. It says, and I saw thrones. Now look at the plural, because it's very easy to read over this in Revelation chapter 4, and not see the plural. 
and I saw thrones, and they, plural, sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, uh, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, nor received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Well, there's a resurrection now that's taken place. And these people are going to live with the Lord for a thousand years, actually like us, because it says we're going to uh, rule and reign upon the earth as kings and priests. You'll see that in uh, Revelation 5.10. But so who are these people then? And who is judging them? Because it's plural. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. It's plural. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. Well, this these people are the uh, martyred saints that are found in Revelation chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 9, under the fifth seal. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true? Does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given to every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants were uh, also and their brethren, that they should be killed as they were, should, should be fulfilled. Now, the key to this is the opening the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. Now, when we look back, and actually we should go to Revelation chapter 4, and we go to verse 6, it says, this is Revelation 4, 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. But what I'm driving at here, or what I want to highlight here, is before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. So it, it, there's this huge, turns out to be this huge expanse in heaven before the throne of God. And it must be incredibly beautiful because it looks like a big sea of glass and crystal. It's like crystal glass. It's, I imagine it's just incredibly beautiful to look at. Now, when we go to Revelation chapter 5... We see here in Revelation chapter 5, uh, starting at uh, verse um, uh, 9, it says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, uh, notice that they sung a new song. They're singing in heaven, and they're praising the Lord. Um, this is very important. And then when you go on, and you'll see that around the throne and before the throne there, uh, or in heaven, there's 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. This, These are not under the altar. These are before the throne. And in fact, you can see this also in Revelation Chapter uh, 7, let me turn to this, Revelation 
chapter 7, when we go down to um, uh, verse 9. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands. And of course, in a previous study, I showed you that Revelation 7 is not in chronological order in the Bible. Revelation 7 and Revelation actually 4 and 5, but um, primarily 5, go together. Because if you read Revelation 7, 1 through 3, it tells you that this is taking place before any judgments fall. How This is not the seventh seal. The seventh seal is found in Revelation chapter 8. Uh, the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6 is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because heaven has been opened, the mountains, uh, there's been a gigantic earthquake, the mountains have fallen, the cities have disappeared, the people actually are seeing the face of Jesus Christ in his glory, and they're they are hiding, they're desperate. They want to crawl under the rocks to hide them, because the great day of his wrath has come. So here in Revelation uh, 7, we see that this great multitude of believers is before the throne. So I, I, And uh, again, they're praising the Lord. They've got um, palms in their hands, and they, 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 you read verses 10 and, the, and 11. They're just singing out to the Lord and praising him. Look at, look at 7.12, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be unto our God forever and ever. Um, so uh, I've drawn the distinction now that in heaven, during the tribulation period, there are two classes of people. Those that are standing before the throne of God on the sea of glass like unto crystal, praising him, just glorifying him, no sign of um, revenge, let's say. No sign of um, shedding of blood. Well, except for the Lord's blood. They're, they're praising the Lord for his shed blood, but not their shed blood. Uh, and they're under the altar. They're not before the throne. They are under the altar, waiting. As it says here in um, verse... Uh, 11 and white robes were given unto every one of them and it, it and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren should be killed as they were should be fulfilled so uh, i can't make it really any more distinct that there's two um, bodies of believers in heaven one that's waiting for the fulfillment and those that it's already fulfilled in uh, and then we shall reign as kings and priests so now with that in mind we go back to revelation uh, chapter 20 and we go to this here tells us now who these people are these uh, the ones that we see in revelation 20 verse 4 are the ones 
none other that are under the fifth seal, um, under the altar, waiting a little season till everything be fulfilled. Well, it's all been fulfilled because Jesus Christ has returned. And this is Satan is bound now. Uh, so Satan is not bound until the, the literal, visible, real second coming of Jesus Christ. It's not figurative. It's real. He has a body, a real body. It's a glorified body. In fact, we will have a body just like his, uh, with a resurrected body. And then, it, So let's read that verse again. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And then it identifies who they were. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for witness for Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. No doubt. I mean, we, we right in Revelation 13, we see the mark of the beast, the image of the image of the beast, the mark of the beast, Revelation 14, in the absolute sternest warning imaginable, warns people to not take the mark of the beast. They will be damned forever if you take the mark. So note this: these are the saints that are under the altar right here and now, and they're going to be judged, not for salvation, but for rewards and placement, I imagine for sure, placement in the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the key here is I saw thrones, uh, and uh, the plural, thrones and they. Well, if you go back to Revelation uh, chapter 3, and we look at the church of Laodicea, and in each church, um, God makes... uh, promises or like blessings for those that obey him and at the end here in revelation uh chapter 3 verse 21 and and i must tell you um these promises are not only to the church of laodicea it's to everyone that overcometh because it says to him that overcometh and you'll see it's to the churches. Uh, when it's here, it's always plural. It's to the churches. It's not just limited to them that are in like the church of Laodicea. To him that overcometh, I will I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I have overcame and am set down with my father on his throne. Uh, what I see in this throne is. Um, picture here of authority and power and judgment so uh, yeah, I don't think we're all sitting on the Lord's lap on it uh, it means that um, I will grant him to sit down in my authority he's going to delegate a tremendous amount of authority to us folks uh, the Lord we are so perfected by God we are so um, trusting or trustworthy uh, by him that he is going to delegate power and authority to us and if you look at 1 Corinthians 6 it talks about um, uh, about us judging angels 
So, um, in uh, it, it talk, and, and there it's talking about judging angels. So he is going to delegate a tremendous authority and power to us because um, it's a great responsibility to judge people how they'll, they'll be going into eternity. You know, will they be? Uh, there'll be recognition for like crowns, for example, and I'm sure there are many other ways of how faithful we were to the Lord, which will be known for eternity. So this is serious business, and we don't want to miss anything. We don't want to slight anyone. We don't want to look over, uh, look overlook anyone. So according to Revelation 3.21, the overcomers have been granted power from like a king sitting on a throne. And in this particular case, when we go to Revelation chapter uh, 20, we're seeing that it has to do in judgment, like a king would sit in judgment. Well, here we're uh, sitting in judgment of all those saints that were under the throne, uh, under the altar, excuse me. Um, They were not before the throne. They were under the altar. So the judgment that we see here in Revelation 20, verse 4, is the Lord's bride uh, judging the saints that uh, were saved during the tribulation period. And it fits in beautiful. We see uh, we will be judged also. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ. And as I understand that, uh, we're judged individually by him. Uh, and that takes place, I, I, it could be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it could be before the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible, as I understand it, doesn't quite, it just tells us it's going to happen, but I don't know the sequence. So when we stand before or before the throne on that um, sea of glass like into crystal, sometime between standing there before the Father and the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, we go before the Bema seat of Christ. And I don't know if that is at the marriage supper or not. I, I don't know. I don't think the scripture says. It just says that it's going to happen. So that's how that fits in now. Um, we have been raptured with the Lord. We're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We return with the Lord. He sets up his millennial kingdom uh, for a thousand years. And... Uh, uh, Sometime after his return and setting up the kingdom, Revelation 20, verse 4 takes place. You know, Does it begin after the kingdom begins? I don't know. Does it begin, does it take place just prior to it? It's possible. But it's somewhere either before the millennial reign begins or just afterwards, that that I believe that Revelation 20, verse 4, um, takes place. So, and again, if you have any questions at the end, uh, you know, jot them down now, and at the end, I'll try and answer them uh, the best that I can. Now what I want to do is I want to get into the Lord's actual second coming to show that the second coming... The classic second coming of Jesus Christ is not the rapture, 
of the church, that the church has been raptured before that. So let's go uh, one chapter back to Revelation uh, chapter 19. And when we look at Revelation 19, I'm not going to read these scriptures. I'm just going to comment on them. But if you look at um, Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9, in particular, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Her bride, the bride has made herself ready. It takes place in heaven. If you look at, well, actually, verses 1 through 9, if you read that, you'll see that it's in heaven. There's a great multitude um, that it's the Lord's bride has made herself ready. She's uh, dressed in fine linen, clean and white, uh, white, which is the righteousness of the saints. Our righteousness is of Jesus Christ. So there it is. The marriage supper takes place. Now you drop down to verse 11, and it says, I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he had sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he, he, though he doth judge and make war. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ. We see the same terminology in Revelation chapter 6 and the sixth seal. And it talks about heaven being rolled back. And also in Hebrews, it talks about that also. Um, now, if my memory serves me correct, it's in towards the end of Hebrews chapter 1 which talks about it being like a garment and being rolled up. Uh, so there is the spiritual realm and the physical realm at the second coming of the Lord, as I understand this, are going to become one. Um, because the people on earth are going to be able to see into heaven with their physical eyes, they're going to see. So we see here in Revelation uh, chapter 11, excuse me, 19, verse 11, okay, that heaven opens, um, and I want to drop down to verse 14. And the, the armies which are in heaven, plural, plural. So we know from the Gospels, uh, Matthew 25, for example, when the Lord returns, he's coming with his angels. We know that. But here, in the book of Revelation, it's armies, plural, and I believe that that is the angelic realm and his bride. Because look at the description. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's the description of the bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, It doesn't mention angels. Nowhere in Revelation chapter 9... 19 are angels mentioned. To me, it's unmistakable the connection between Revelation 19, 14 and Revelation chapter, well, well, 8, uh, 19 verse 8. I keep on saying chapter when I mean verse. So if I don't catch myself, please be attentive to when I say chapter 18, chapter 8 and all, I I mean Revelation 19, 8. I'll try and catch myself. Um... So here the the heaven opens up, and uh, this is a perfect match for the sixth seal of Revelation chapter 6. Only in chapter 6 it does not mention the armies of heaven. Here in Revelation 19 it does. And out of his mouth, uh, verse um, 15, 
Revelation 1915 is one of the most descriptive and, in my opinion, powerful verses in the Bible, along with the scriptures in uh, Revelation 14 about not taking the mark of the beast. So let me read um, verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. I'll tell you that scripture. Wow, what a, what power in uh, in Revelation 19:15, and we uh, we drop down to Revelation 19:19, 19, 19, and I saw the beast. Now the beast here is the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army, us. Uh, earth is mobilized to try and fight against the Lord's coming and us, because we're coming with him. Notice that. The Lord is not returning by himself, and he is not returning uh, exclusively with the angelic realm. He is returning with us. We are part of his army. And the beast was taken with him. And the beast was taken, and with him, the false prophet. Now, when you read Revelation uh, 13, you'll see a first beast arise out of the sea, and that is the Antichrist. We kind of know him as the Antichrist. And then if you read on in Revelation 13, it talks about a second beast uh, arising out of the land. So in Revelation 13, they're both called beasts. But here in Revelation 19, it distinguishes, and this is how we know them. And the first beast was taken, that's the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet. So in Revelation 13, the second beast is the false prophet, and then it describes what he did. And you can see this description also in Revelation 13, that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Now let me start, stop right there, and I want to obliterate, annihilate any misunderstanding because I have heard everything that you can imagine about Revelation 13, and it's not a person. It's a system. It's an ideology. It's um, a, a false worship. It. Uh, there are all sorts of teachings out there that believe that Revelation 13 is not a literal person. I don't know why, but for some reason they don't want to believe that there is a beast, the Antichrist, and there is a false prophet. Right, Revelation 19, verse 20, makes it very, very clear that they are real, literal people. Because it says these both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. They were cast into hell. And not, um, it, I don't have time to distinguish between right now the two hells. Uh, the hell that we think of right now is sort of like a holding pen for Judgment Day found in Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment. And the lake of fire is the final place of um, 
where, where the, uh, the unredeemed are placed after judgment. And that is the second death. So they're, they're distinguishable now. Uh, but if you notice in Revelation 19.20, it says these both were cast alive. See, they're alive. They're living. They're people into the lake of fire. That is the second death, burning with brimstone. So um, the Lord doesn't even wait to judge them before the great white throne judgment. They are so evil. They are in the, the embodiment of evil and rebellion against the Lord. Um, they're called, he's called a man of sin in Second Thessalonians. Uh, he's completely possessed by Satan. Uh, I believe you see that in Revelation 13. He's completely given him over, self over to Satan. He is responsible for the death of untold numbers of believers in the Lord who would not submit to him. So the Lord just takes them and casts into the lake of fire. You can only throw or only place into hell a living, a human being. There's nothing else. Now, wait, I, I take that back, angelic beings. In Matthew 25, 41, the Lord says to those that were judged, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for Satan and his angels. So um, the, the Satan and the angels that followed him will be cast into the lake of fire um, and people, and people. So you could see in Revelation 20, which I showed you earlier, Satan is not cast into the lake of fire until after the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, The remnant of them were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Now that's his word with, with the Holy Spirit. The sword which proceedeth out of his mouth. And then we pick up on Revelation 20, where those um, that are resurrected, you know, the, um, the, the ones that are slain are not resurrected for a thousand years. Okay, so what I wanted to drive home in what I just taught from Revelation chapter 19 is that there are people returning with the Lord. His bride is returning with him. The Lord is not returning by himself, and he is not returning with the angelic realm only. Um, let's go to Jude, because I want to, right now we're getting into the Lord returning um, with um, people. And Enoch also, uh, verse 14, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Ten thousands of his saints. That's the believers, folks. Ten thousand of his saints. So there again, it's ten thousands, plural, huge number. It's just abbreviated there. This is the Lord's bride, who he is returning with. Now let's go to um, Zechariah uh, chapter 12. And this is about the coming of the Lord. We go to verse 10. Well, the context of Zechariah chapter 12 is about the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the events leading up to it. 
Um, actually, uh, Zechariah 14.1 tells us it's about the day of the Lord. So we get to verse 10, and it says, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Okay, what I'm after is this phrase, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. So we follow through through chapter 13, and we go into verse 14. And I want to skim through the first uh, five verses here, but let's look at uh, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. There it is. The day of the Lord. That's what chapter 12, 13, and 14 has been about. And the day of the Lord is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I will be doing a study on the day of the Lord. We'll do a nice thorough study on it. Uh, verse, uh, four, verse 2. And I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Okay, the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And where is he coming? Let's look at verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle. Now, the day of battle there is uh, Pharaoh. When Pharaoh stood against Moses and the Lord backed up Moses and Pharaoh's army was destroyed. So I want you to see this. Then shall the Lord go forth. The Lord shall go forth and fight against those nations. Uh, Verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. There we go. What do the people see in chapter 12, verse 10? They see the Lord standing on the Mount of Olives. That's what they see. And they're going to see that he's, in the, he's their Messiah. And they're going to be crying and weeping because of this. But notice it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. And his feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives. His feet, the Lord's feet. This is all literal, folks. The second, when Jesus Christ returns, he's the Lord. The Lord God of Israel. And his feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem in the east. And then it talks about this incredible earthquake that's taking place. And I believe that that's the earthquake in uh, Revelation chapter 6, the sixth seal, and also Revelation uh, chapter 16, uh, it's like right around verse 20 there, uh, where the, it describes this incredible earthquake. I believe that this, all three of them here in Zechariah, Revelation 6, Revelation 16, are talking about the same event. And then we get to the very end of Zechariah 14:5, and it says, look at this, And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. There it is. He's coming with us. Revelation 12, 13, and 14 isn't about the church. It isn't about the Lord coming with the church. It's about us. Well, well, right there, that, that, part, that, that part of the verse there in Zechariah 14, 5, and the Lord my God shall come in all the saints with thee. This matches perfectly with Jude. It matches perfectly with with um, Revelation chapter 19 about the armies of the he- of heaven and the Lord returning with ten thousands of his saints. So uh, these are all witnesses that when the Lord, from Scripture, that when the Lord returns, there's a mighty host 
Uh, and I'm, I'm not even focusing on the angelic realm. I'm focusing on the bride. Uh, now I want to go to all places, Obadiah. And this is a very interesting uh, verse. I want to give you a little story, a little background to it, and why I'm taking you to Obadiah. And we're going to go to uh, verse uh, 21. Now, um, when I was in, uh, engaged with the rabbis there over the gospel, I actually became um, fairly friendly with a rabbi of all places um, from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he, he was probably no more than, um, well, an hour, a good hard hour drive from where I live. In fact, we did talk about uh, getting together at a restaurant, but he didn't have, um, uh, they weren't kosher. He was an Orthodox rabbi, and these restaurants weren't kosher enough for him. So I never did get to meet him personally, and then he moved to Israel. Uh, he did keep in touch with me when he was in Israel for a while, but we haven't been in touch for at least 10 years, maybe more. And I, because I became friendly with him, I guess he could trust me. And he said to me one day, we were alone. We weren't talking. There was no one else uh, with us. We weren't debating or anything. He said, I have a question for you that I'd like your opinion on from the word. I said, sure. He said, um, there's a scripture that I can't reconcile, and I want your opinion on it. I said, okay. And then he says, uh, Obadiah 121. And I almost fell off my chair when he said Obadiah. Because, you know, I, I, I teach on Obadiah. I, I preach on it. And he said, and he read the verse, And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the, the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. He said, in my theology, there is no place for saviors. Who are these saviors? You see it there? Saviors um, shall come upon Mount Zion. And again, that's us. We're called saviors because we return with the Lord who is the Savior, with a capital S. We return with him, so we're recognized as the small s, if you can see the distinction. So I told him that. And I showed him Zechariah, uh, which I just showed you. And I'm going to go into Daniel now, Daniel 7, and I showed him. He never said a word. He never asked me a question. He never argued with me. When I finished at the end, he said, thank you very much. And I said, sure, Rabbi. And never again did he ask me a question or um, do we engage like that again. But there's, it's powerful. We could easily read over that. Uh, but this is a stumbling block for the Jews. Uh, again, with the plural Savior. Who are the Saviors? And from, from his point, from a... Uh, rabbinical point, yeah, who are they? How, he, the saviors are, is not Israel, and saviors shall come up. So who is there in Obadiah that is saviors? And it's us, folks. It's us. So that's uh, Obadiah 121 is power. In fact, the whole book of Obadiah is powerful. But verse 21 is really powerful uh, because the Jews have no answer to it. But again, it fits our narrative perfectly, that we have returned with him. Uh, so he didn't come for us at what we officially call a second coming. He, we returned with him. 
Now, with that, I want you to um, go now and turn to Daniel chapter 7. And this is uh, very important. We're getting into the meat now of what I wanted to teach tonight. And when we get into Daniel chapter 7, I'll just um, summarize this. Um, the verses 1 through 9 is really, uh, it's a beast that Daniel had a vision of. And I believe it's the same beast in Revelation 13 that um, John sees rising up out of the sea. It's uh, fierce. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's like a monster. So this is what he's describing here, the uh, end-time Gentile empire, the, uh, the empire of the Antichrist, whom God sees as a beast. To It's the same um, one in Revelation, uh, Daniel chapter 2 that he sees glorious looking, head of gold, body of silver, midsection of bronze, and then iron, the feet are iron. Um, that is the way man sees it. You know, gold and silver and precious stones and iron, powerful. And Revelation 37 here, I believe, is the way God sees it as a beast. He's looking at the inner part of it. And also, um, in Revelation, in Daniel chapter 2, you've got, you've got this big stone that's crushed by the Lord's coming. It, it, it's a stone made without hands. That, that's depictive of all this also. So in Daniel, you've got the vision to Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, uh, and then in Revelation, in Daniel 2, you have the coming of the Lord as a mighty stone crushing the end time empire, uh, empires. Then Daniel 7 here, you have um, God's view of this being a beast. Inside, it's like a, a leopard. It's like a, a lion. It's like a bear. And the fourth beast is exceedingly dreadful and terrible. All right, now we get to verse 9, and it, uh, it, to- it talks about the beast being destroyed in verse 8. And then verse 9, I beheld to the thrones were cast down. Uh, that is the thrones of the uh, end-time beast. And the Ancient of Days did sit whose garment was white as snow. Now, I believe, folks, that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just let this go for now. And the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair um, on his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Now, um, the wheels there, if you look at Ezekiel in particular, uh, the God's throne seems to be in motion. There seems to be motion around it when you look in Ezekiel. And uh, the Bible says our God is a, um, a fire in Hebrew. It talks about him being fire. So, of course, this does not affect us in his presence. Uh, God being fire has no effect on us whatsoever. But um, here, he, it's, he talks about wheels. And again, if you read in Ezekiel, the first couple chapters, 
And Ezekiel has that vision of the Lord. You'll see wheels. He's describing wheels. So there's something in motion which we view as, or it's described as wheels uh, around the throne of God. Uh, a fiery stream issued. Um, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. So Daniel here has a panoramic view. He's really looking at Revelation five and twenty at the same time. Um, the books were open for judgment. Um, that's not for believers, folks. That's the book of Revelation, uh, the white, great, great white throne judgment. Now, uh, just drop down to verse 13, because I believe uh, 11 and 12 are about the Antichrist. But we get down to verse 13, and I saw in the night visions, okay, he's having this vision at night, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. That's who I'm after. I'm after that that terminology there, the clouds of heaven, and came to the ancient of days, and they brought, see, they, the clouds of heaven are connected with they, brought him near before him. So the clouds of heaven are none other than you go back up to 7-9, before the throne are thousands, thousands, ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. This is the clouds of heaven. Now we know from other scriptures that we are dressed in white linen, clean and white. And I believe the reason the Lord is calling this the clouds of heaven is um, uh, looking at the Lord's coming it would look like a big billowing cloud. You'd have him up front with a description of him with his like eyes like a flame of fire and that. And then behind him, from horizon to horizon, would be this huge billowing cloud of believers in white. And that's why I believe that they use the expression here, clouds of heaven. And came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion. See, now here is the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's setting up his millennial reign. And there was given him dominion and glory and kingdom that all people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So um, here we have the Lord returning to set up, this, this would be, the, right there in verse 14 is the second coming of Jesus Christ right there and it says he's coming with the clouds of heaven and it talks about the clouds of heaven and then they brought him near before him uh, uh, this is his bride this is us folks I don't know if the angelic realm is involved in this or not I don't think so um, from looking at everything else uh, but with us we are the clouds of heaven this is very important uh, to realize that the clouds of heaven aren't like puffy little white clouds, but it is a massive host of people, the host of heaven, so to speak. It's his bride returning with him, who he identifies as the clouds of heaven, and then the Lord, as he returns with the clouds of heaven, sets up his 
millennial reign. Now, with that established that the Lord is returning with his bride, and that his bride is um, the clouds of heaven, the terminology is the clouds of heaven, uh, let's put this aside right now, and let's go to Matthew 24 and look at the arguments uh, against the rapture of the church. So we'll go to Matthew 24, and we'll go to verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, the Matthew 24 is about the Lord's coming. And the disciples asked them a question. Actually, the key to Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 21 is uh, Matthew 24, 3. Uh, and I'll read this and show it to you why. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Now the Lord just talked about the destruction of the temple. And um, apparently he had said other things also to them. So when shall these things be, the destruction of the temple? What shall be the sign of thy coming? and the end of the age. So they wanted to know, how are we going to know when the end is come, and what sign is of your coming? So this is primarily here about the tribulation period. So then in verse 13, it says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And there are many, I don't want it, to, it's a long chapter, and I don't want to read all of it, um, but that's the key to it. I mean, people that don't believe in the rapture as we do will say, see, you've got to endure until the end and you'll be saved. Uh, because they believe that you've got to endure to the end through the tribulation period uh, to be saved. Now, the exact scripture is said in Mark chapter 13, verse 20, about enduring to the end. They apply this to the church. Uh, they, uh, when I believe it's applied to Israel, it's not the church, it's Israel. And uh, we get into um, the Lord's coming now, and let's go to um, Matthew 24, 30. Uh, well, we'll read 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now there's a colon there, which means verse 30 is directly connected to 29. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. Because they asked him for signs. How will we know? So we'll know about the Lord's coming, or the people will know about the Lord's coming, based on um, verse 29 with the uh, all these uh, events happening, the darkness, and what happens to the moon, and, and the powers of heaven be shaken. Then verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming, now look at this, in the clouds of heaven. 
with power and great glory. There it is, folks. The Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. That's us. That's us. Verse 30, Matthew 24, 30. Verse 30, if you understand the teaching about the clouds of heaven and that the Lord, um, uh, Jude says, uh, Enoch in Jude says that the Lord is returning with ten thousands of his saints. Um, in uh, Revelation 19, it writes that the Lord is returning, 1914, that the Lord is returning with the armies of heaven, and that's us. Zechariah sees, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Um, so he's coming with the saints, he's not coming by himself. And then Obadiah says he's coming with saviors. Uh, which is us. He's the big S, and we're the little S. He's the big Savior, and we, because with him, we're identified as the little Saviors. All of that, plus the teaching which I gave you in Daniel chapter 7, uh, specifically verse 13 and 14, shows that the clouds of heaven is his bride returning with him. Uh, does it include the angelic realm? It's possible, uh, but and those scriptures are focusing on the Lord returning with his bride. And then it's and then verse 31 it says, And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and, and uh, from one end of heaven to the other. That's the Jews. That's the Jews that he's going to bring back. The ones that have not made it back to Israel, they are going to be all brought back um, to be judged about who was going to enter into the millennial reign and who was not going to enter the, the millennial reign. So when the Lord returns with the um, uh, clouds of heaven uh, there, that's a clear sign that that's us, we're with him. Uh, the, the enduring to the end to be saved are the people during the tribulation. Uh, those are the ones that, um, if they are martyred, end up as the fifth seal underneath the altar. We are returning with him from before the throne. Now, in Mark um, chapter 13, verse 26, it says the same thing, that the Lord's returning with clouds. And also in Luke 21, uh, Luke twenty-one twenty-seven, it doesn't say the clouds of heaven. It just says he's returning with clouds. He doesn't mention it in John's Gospel at all, except in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, of course, which was written by John. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 7, says he's returning with clouds. But I want you to look now at um, Matthew, chapter 26, verse 64. Now, this scripture here is about the Lord giving his witness uh, before the high priest and we could look at um, well we'll look at verse uh, 63 and and but Jesus held his peace and the high priest answered and said unto him I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ the son of God Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said unto, saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, 
hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and look at this, and coming in the clouds of heaven. So the Lord, as a witness to the high priest, told him that he was the Messiah based on, he used scripture to prove he was the Messiah. But he's talking about his second coming here, and he says he's coming in the clouds of heaven. Um, he, as, as so, and he also says, hereafter you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. That is Psalm 110. So what the Lord did was he combined Psalm 110 and Daniel 7, uh, 13, and he used that as a witness to the high priest. And here, verse 65, then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy. High priest knew exactly what the Lord was saying. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, how ye have heard his blasphemy. So the Lord, in his testimony before the high priest, said, I'm coming in the clouds of heaven. I'm coming with the believers. So the high priest knew exactly what he was saying. I want to give a little um, side uh, teaching here uh, on Psalm 110. It has nothing to do with what I'm teaching right now, but it is so powerful. Uh, let's put it this way. I have seen the effect of it, uh, using it on uh, on rabbis and uh, Judaism's anti-missionaries. In fact, um, when I debated uh, Rabbi Tovia Singer in New York City, I guess it's almost 10 years ago now. It's hard to believe. Um, he literally had a meltdown. Uh, over Psalm 110 when I um, the teaching I'm going to show you I gave him in fact maybe after this teaching Pastor Fred was with me um, he can share what happened to Rabbi Tovier Singer when I applied Psalm 110 to him he, he literally um, had a meltdown he couldn't handle it and uh, he ended up so confused that he did confess some. Um, 110 was about Jesus being the Messiah, and then he ran to the front of the stage, begging the Jews there to forgive him that he had said such blasphemy. So it's very simple, but it's very effective. Okay, in Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, A Psalm of David, the Lord had said to my Lord, Sit down at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, the Lord there is commonly Jehovah. Uh, we use that in English, Jehovah, Yahweh in Hebrew, said to my Lord. Now, this is David's Lord. The, David's the king of Israel. And the only one that's over David is the Messiah. So the Lord said to my Lord, and the word their Lord is Adon, which means someone in authority. But notice it's capitalized because it could be small, um, which could be like a servant, you know, and a master. The Lord shall send... Uh, the rod of thy strength out of Zion, thou shalt rule in the midst of enemies. There's the Messiah right there. It tells you it's the Messiah. The people shall be willing in the day of his power and the beauties and of holiness from the womb of the morning. Uh, thou hast the, the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn in verse 4 and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Mel Melchizedek. So not only is the Messiah a king, but he's a priest. Now that's something else. 
Now, verse 5 is what I'm driving at. And the Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. This is all reference to the coming of the Lord and what we would call Armageddon. But notice what it says, the Lord at thy right hand. Well, the context is the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. So when we look, when we put verse 5 together and verse 1 together, the Lord has sworn, that is Adonai. That's the Lord. To um, The Lord has sworn, uh, the Lord at thy right hand will strike through kings in the day of his wrath. The Lord at thy right hand. So what that's saying is the, the, the Lord God of Israel is at the right hand of the person in verse 1, and that's David's Lord. So the God of Israel said to the God of Israel, Thou shalt strike through kings in the day of thy wrath. Thy, thy wrath is the tribulation period, is the, the judgment. So when you put the two together, and this is where we get in the New Testament, where it says that the Lord is seated at the right hand of the Father, and all. This is a reference to it. So the Lord at thy right hand, Adonai at the right hand of David, right? The Lord shall say unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. So that's what I used against uh, Rabbi Singer, and he, he, he couldn't get out of it. In fact, he wouldn't even address it. I asked him to read it in Hebrew. He wouldn't do it. Uh, he had a meltdown because when you look at verse 1 and verse 5, there it is. Adonai is at the right hand of Jehovah. That's what we believe. And Adonai at the right hand is the Messiah. Okay, um, that just about covers it for tonight. Uh, let's see. Once in Mark, it, it makes reference to the Lord returning with the clouds of heaven. So we have uh, Matthew uh, saying the Lord's returning with the clouds of heaven. We have Daniel saying he's returning with the clouds of heaven. We have Mark uh, saying that the Lord's returning with the clouds of heaven. And then we have the Lord himself in the, his testimony before uh, the high priest of Israel saying that he was returning with the clouds of heaven. And that's actually what sent him to the cross, folks. Uh, the high priest had a complete total meltdown with that blasphemy, blasphemy. And that's when they took him to, that's the reason they took him to Pontius Pilate. Uh, they could not kill the Lord themselves. Only the Romans had the right for capital punishment. So they took him to Pilate. Pilate found nothing wrong with him. And uh, of course they said, um, you know, he, he doesn't follow Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. So Pilate then had to, um, Put the, you know, condemn the Lord to death. But what condemned him to death uh, in the high priest's eyes, the blasphemy, was he, he claimed that he was the Messiah and that he was coming in the clouds of heaven. Um, I'm trying to think. Now I'm, I'm looking at scriptures. I think we covered everything we needed to cover. So um, this is the I, I'm thinking that this will this 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 session here should be complete now um, it will be a four part teaching the three parts are up already on my website uh, you can go under uh, my blog go to teachings 
um, it'll open up uh, the teaching section and just scroll down to prophecy and you'll see rapture teaching one two three and we'll have four up probably uh, within a day or two well pastor fred that that well, i'm again that's i'm i'm happy i think i've covered everything i wanted to cover do you have any questions or comments about uh, the teaching tonight no it was comprehensive and it was good i mean you you uh, made the case for the clouds of heaven very uh, vividly and uh, the um, it became um, the, the final uh, aspect of it was the fact that the blasphemy that put Jesus on the cross that was really great yeah that was his crime in their eyes in their eyes um, if anybody has a question you can uh, call in at 717 Uh, Pastor Fred, I also feel when we understand that the bride is before the Lord, before the throne, um, the sea of glass like unto crystal, and that underneath the altar, you know, the tribulation saints, then uh, Revelation chapter 20 just fits perfectly in that scenario. Yeah, for sure. No, you're right. And you covered it well. Okay. Uh, Chaplain? Yes. Yes. Hi. I have a little question or something. I heard you saying that, um, that the scripture that says that... Uh, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Yes, from Matthew twenty four thirteen. And um, you are saying that those are people who uh, who become believers; they become Christians during the tribulation period. Yes. I never thought of it that way, but it fits. Yeah, because if you um, look at scriptures and you understand it, um, the Lord is going to uh, bring, I guess, everybody on. Uh, let me back up. Uh, if you study Isaiah 24, for example, and also Isaiah 13, not many people are going to survive the tribulation period. Um, and I don't know what not many are. Because right now there's like, I think about 7 billion people on earth. So, I mean, even if there was like 100 million that survived, that's a huge number. But in comparison to the number on earth now, it's minuscule. So I, it's a relative term. So I, I don't know when it says not many or what that means. But I said that to, to say this. All of them, the angels are going to go throughout the world. They're going to bring everybody to Jerusalem for judgment. The ones uh, that have, because some people are going to have survived um, and they're not going to be beheaded. You know, they're not going to have taken the mark of the beast and they're going to survive. But relatively, not many. There's judgment. And those that have believe in the Lord are going to go into the millennial reign. Those that don't go into the, those don't believe, are going to be slain at that point, 
and they're going to be resurrected a thousand years and face the great white throne judgment. So when it says he that endures to the end shall be saved, that means that they've resisted, they have not been captured, so to speak, by the Antichrist, and they haven't received the mark of the beast. But the vast majority of people will, that, that believe will be under the sixth, uh, they'll be under the fifth seal there uh, under the altar waiting for Revelation 20 to be um, uh, judged for their rewards. Is that clear? Yeah. Okay. I, I really had not seen that particular scripture in that light before and I was it, it, it makes sense to me well that's why I taught it because it's commonly used by people that don't believe in the rapture to point it out and say see during the tribulation period you're going to have to endure to the end and if you endure to the end you're saved now of course some don't endure because their heads have been chopped off but um, but the, and that's the reason I showed you that when it talks about the second coming of the Lord in Matthew 20, 24, 30, he's coming with the clouds of heaven. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's the believers. Right. Well, I appreciate you bringing that out tonight. Well, <laughs> well okay. I'm, I'm delighted to have taught it. We want to get. We want everybody strengthened because there are all sorts of people now. Some of them have good intentions, and some of them don't have good intentions. And I call them spiritual debilitators. And we need to know the Word of God so that when we run up against the people that want to take the blessed hope out of us, we're anchored in the Lord, and we know that there is a rapture, and we're waiting for it. We're waiting for the blessed hope. We're not, right. we as believers are not looking, we're looking for the Lord, period. That's what we're focused on, looking at, at the Lord. Yep. Looking for that bless, blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. All right, right. there's a question, um, for sure has a question. Um, what happens, um, uh, Kathy, is that the thousand years blends right into the new heaven and the new earth. Um, it's the thousand year reign of the Lord in Revelation 20. It blends right into 21 and 22. Where uh, So I guess that you could say in a sense, Revelation 21 and 22 is the millennial reign going into eternity and so the Lord will be reigning uh, his millennial reign in a sense will never end I maybe that will help explain it so he reigns uh, over the earth as he promised Israel for a thousand years but then it blends right into the new Jerusalem and the new heavens and the new earth Um, 
I can't think of anything else, um, Pastor Fred. So uh, I think we've proven the. Uh, I'm 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 happy through scriptures uh, that there is a blessed hope, the coming of the Lord, and that we're going to get a crown of righteousness because we we love is appearing. Amen, Pastor Amen. Fred. Amen. 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 And I thought about that for quite a while. I never understood the link between why would the Lord give us a crown of righteousness for loving his appearing? Because, um, you know, the Bible says, for where your heart is, there will your treasure be. And if our heart is for the coming of the Lord and going to be with him, not just Oh, because it is a doctrine. It is a doctrine. So I don't want to belittle and put down the doctrine. But a doctrine leads you to the truth. But the truth here is love. So it's more than a doctrine. Um, so if we really love his appearing, it is going to be a great incentive to live righteously, Pastor Fred. That's the point, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and the motivation. That right, right. So if if we're fixed on him, we're looking for him. Uh, we're we're the bride waiting for the groom. We're not going to get drunk in a bar someplace. You know, it'll, it'll be a tremendous um, tool for the Lord to keep us from sin. It. Do you remember, Pastor Fred? I did the teaching, uh, the parable there in Matthew 24, the last parable in Matthew 24, about the good servant and the evil servant. Yeah, yeah. Doing, yeah. And remember, the e- what did the evil servant say? He said, my Lord delayeth his coming. He didn't say, well, he's not coming back for you know 10 years, or he's not coming back forever. He said, the Lord delayeth his coming, his return. And um, that all that alone is what labeled or branded this servant to be the evil servant. The good servant was waiting for his master to return at any time. So it's very serious to tamper with the blessed hope, Pastor Fred, because if we lose that blessed hope, the next step is worldliness. And the Bible warns us about the cares of this world. So uh, when we live with the blessed hope, it like takes, it, it prevents us from rooting, so to speak, growing roots in the world. Yeah, we live in the world, we use the world, but the world's not our heart. The world's not our heart, Pastor Fred. Our heart is the blessed hope looking for him. And that's why it's so dangerous when these people go around as spiritual debilitators trying to take drain the blessed hope out of people, uh, because the end result of that can be f- falling away, it can be worldliness, it can be falling into sin. And uh, I guess these debilitators are kind of maybe like um, tests, Pastor Fred. They come, they come up against people. And if the people's hearts aren't right, 
these debilitators can uh, drain the blessed hope out of them. So I, I guess in a sense they're kind of like testers. But I want everybody here to um, be anchored in the Lord, to be living with the blessed hope continually, and to receive that crown, the crown of righteousness for loving his appearing. It's not hard to get a crown, is it, Pastor Fred? No. Right? Not, not under these circumstances. No. Um, I was asking, I was asking, going to ask a question. Go through the scenario of a... Uh, a Jew um, at the at the rapture, looking at the rapture, and still being still alive for the next seven years. What's going to happen? You mean a Jew that uh, realized the rapture has he he had been taught about the rapture? He, well, a, a Jew that doesn't is not a Christian, right? That uh, sees the rapture and. And and it will be alive uh, for the next um, seven years. What's what's the scenario there? You've given the scenario for the Christian, but for a Jew who is not a, um, where, where where do they end up? Well, when we look at um, Zechariah chapter thirteen, it talks about this period of time. Uh, Two thirds are going to perish, and one third of the Jews will be um, there at the Lord's coming. So um, there's a very good chance that that uh, Jew may perish. But however, if they understood about the Lord's coming and didn't believe, um, they could be protected, Pastor Fred, because they wouldn't take the uh, mark of the beast. But uh, there'll be a temporary, um, maybe peace, be the word to put it. It says in uh, Isaiah 28 that Israel is going to make a covenant with death and hell, which is going to give them a um, a false like hope. And Daniel chapter nine talks about that same thing. So, um, but that that's not going to last long, and they must not take. The mark of the beast, the same as anyone else, Pastor Fred. And when will they then look upon him whom they pierced? At his second coming. Right. That's uh, that's that's exactly what uh, what a uh, what uh, the scenario is for a Jew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, because Orthodox it, or whatever. Right. Right. Doesn't matter. It's the same for everybody. So the Jews that turn to the Lord will say during the tribulation period, and they die, they end up in, under the um, altar. Right, 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 right. The Jews that survive to the end, uh, there's a judgment seat. There's a, the Lord has a judgment just outside of Jerusalem, and uh, they will be allowed to enter into the kingdom. That's the millennial kingdom of the Lord. That's when they will hear the word and be uh, look upon him. Well, well, uh, well, no, when he comes to defend Israel, when he comes to defend Israel against the armies of Armageddon and they're destroying the land and they're overrunning Jerusalem, when he stands then on the Mount of Olives, 
that's when they'll look upon him whom they've pierced. And that's when they'll be in mourning and bitterness. He'll be standing on the Mount of Olives uh, in his glory and they'll realize that he has been their Messiah all along and they missed him. Yes, thank you. I just want that to be come out clear for those who are who have Jewish friends. Pray in that in that in that way, even though we're still hoping that they'll come to the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus, before that time. Uh, yeah, it'll be a real rough time, Pastor Fred, from the rapture of the church to the Lord's return for those that are alive. And it won't only be, it's not going to be limited to the Jewish people. I mean, this is going to be worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just specifically, you know, coming to the, the, um, the scenario for Jewish people. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a, a, a wonderful journey. And those who don't have uh, have written down notes uh, can get them uh, from your website. Yes, we should have the. Well, uh, I have to meet with Nate, and I call it clean it up, and because um, we just want the meat. I just want the meat of the teaching on it. So that'll take uh, probably Wednesday. Uh, I'll no do potatoes? it. Potatoes. <laughs> Meat and potatoes. Irish people love potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I have to admit that I love potatoes. But um, probably Wednesday we'll have it up because he's coming over to my place, and we're going to do some tech work. I I was notified that uh, Wednesday I should get all the equipment we need to make me compatible. Now that I, we can run on YouTube. So uh, hopefully Nate will come over and uh, we'll work out the bugs on it and we'll be ready for next uh, Monday to go to YouTube. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. Well, let's thank the Lord. Okay, go ahead, please. A closing prayer. Heavenly Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword and speaks to us, and it's clear, and it um, shows us your plans and your purposes for your people, and uh, gives to us um, an increase in our blessed hope, and uh, helps us look forward to the rewards involved, and also allows us to uh, warn those who uh, do not know you uh, that there is this plan that you have for those who are your own, and that uh, those who are not, those who are unbelievers, who don't, who rebel against the word, do not have a good future. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we pray for our friends and loved ones, those who do not know you. We pray that they may come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, allow us to be part of that. Allow us to be able to share with them uh, these uh, teachings, these doctrines, uh, so that it would be uh, it would be used in their salvation, Lord, in bringing them in, into a conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ being their Savior. How we thank you. We thank you and ask for your blessing to be upon John and all those who uh, went through this uh, teaching and revelation for you say, Lord, blessed are those who read and uh, encourage us 
continue to read and to understand. Uh, we praise you and thank you and bless you, Heavenly Father. Uh, keep us all in your care now and uh, watch over us until such times as we meet together in prayer. Uh, we continue to pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give him freedom to work uh, within Abba Father's fellowship. And um, we praise you for all the results that have um, come as a result of the the work of our Father's Fellowship, which is your work, Lord, and which brings fruit into your kingdom. Uh, we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor Fred. Amen. Okay, I'll I'll be in touch with you. Okay, Lord bless. Okay, God bless you. Well, um. There's a request for a song uh, set another place at the table. I do not have that song. Um, so let me see. I don't see any other questions. But let's pray, play some music. I'm pretty well, um, um, what's the word, talked out. I didn't bring water down. I don't have water with me. I, I have cotton mouth. So <laughs> I think for the remaining... 15 minutes uh, we'll have music so if you have a request you either, you can either call in or uh, write it on the uh, chat room there uh, if I have it I'll play it I don't have uh, set another place at the table so let's take a look here and get some music um, uh, let's see when God comes and gathers his jewels. I like that. No.
Well, that had that old time twang in it. And, uh, chap, if you can give thanks in prayer tonight, seven ladies. Oh, is that at the, um, at the prison? Uh, you, you had, um, can't watch him pray. Okay. Uh, Sister Kathy, was that at the, with the prison ministry? Yeah, I, I'll play watch and pray. I have here, um, in the sky, Lord, in the sky. I want to play. There is a day that's so, so dear when our dear Savior shall appear. We'll meet with loved ones also. In the sky, up in the beautiful sky, we never shall die. No, we never shall die. God Himself shall wipe the tears all away. I'm longing to see the Holy One, God the Father and the Son. Our battles with Satan will all be won in the sky. Up in the beautiful sky, no, we never shall die, God himself shall wipe the tears all away. I'm longing to see the Holy One, God the Father and the Son, our battles with Satan will all be won in the sky. Okay, let's pray, at least I forget here, for um, uh, these seven souls. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful report that seven uh, women uh, gave their uh, life to you. We ask, Lord, that uh, it will be deep, that they uh, will follow you, that they will become disciples of yours. Lord, I ask that there's no doubt that they have broken hearts. I ask that their broken hearts would be healed and they could be set free from bondage. Lord, we ask that you pull down any strongholds in them that uh, involve crime that brought them into the prison. 
<coughs> any uh, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds so we ask for these strongholds to be pulled down and that sister Kathy and her team will be able to disciple them now Lord so we thank you in Jesus name Amen Okay, apparently, um, uh, I don't see it. Um, Barbara, if you sent me a song, it didn't make it through. I don't see it. Let me check if it ended up in spam. Barbara, send it again real quick because um, it never made it through. Oh, yeah, yeah, it just came right now. This very moment, it came. Okay, here we go with the song you wanted. I'm going to grab a song here, play it for closing, and then I'm going to look for that other one. Uh, let's see. Um, ah, you re- I don't know. I don't remember the tune here. Healing stream. Okay, here we go. Reunion in Heaven. That's not it. That's 